Welcome in to another episode of Betting the Pitch. Uh, I believe it's episode 149, maybe, so we're close to a, uh, a big step. Um, this is going to be the semifinal World Cup episode. Uh, it's been a great World Cup so far. Thank you, everyone who's been following along, everyone subscribing on, on pregame. I appreciate that. If, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'd love it if you subscribe there as well. We're getting a lot more views, a lot more likes, which I'm appreciating. Um, and of course, everyone who's who rides and dies for me on, on Apple Podcasts, that seems to be where it's most popular. Um, really, really appreciate all of you for checking in there, giving five-star reviews, making some comments, doing whatever you can, uh, as it'll get me up the potential leaderboard and maybe uh, get me doing extra podcasts. Hopefully, uh, if it's worth it for everyone out there. Um, and basically, when I see likes, I think it's worth it. Um, all lines quoted in this podcast are courtesy of betonline.ag, my favorite place to get my bets down early. Reduced juice is offered on almost every game you want to bet right up until game time. Please follow the link found in the podcast description below to fund your account and use the promo code GW50 to receive a 50% match bonus up to $1,000. So now that you have a bunch of extra money uh, at BetOnline, you might as well use some of it. And I'm going to go through uh, the two semifinal matches in as much detail as possible. Uh, it's Sunday night here, so we've got a couple days till the matches come. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of rumors about lineups and other changes like that that will be happening. But until that occurs, um, all we can do is speculate. Uh, and honestly, there weren't, weren't a lot of changes in starting lineups if they weren't enforced. So I imagine... Most uh, most games will probably stay the same, uh, and, but I'll, I'll go through each of the matches, give a, a side, a total lean, um, and then I'll come up with an ultimate best bet for the end of the show. So Argentina-Croatia is our first matchup, um, and I think one of the teams is very, very likely to be here based on uh, a lot of the bets coming in pre-tournament, and that was Argentina uh, because they... I think they dropped from like 12 to one to six to one, win the whole thing after a really good showing in the Copa America where they knocked out Brazil. And then also their long, long unbeaten run, uh, which then ended in the first opening match against Saudi Arabia, um, which was not what a lot of people expected, but Argentina are here and not a lot of people were expecting Croatia to get past Brazil, uh, but they are awesome. They did that and you got to love them. Got to respect them. Uh, incredible that they've, honestly got to this point with such as such a small nation uh, but they have a really good midfield and that's what they're known to be so uh, i'll go through croatia more specifically because they're the underdog here they're a three-quarter goal underdog right now all the juice on croatia um, which has kind of been teeter-tottering around but started as a very juiced three quarters uh it's still pretty juiced but less ultimately it was minus 130 when i first saw it now minus 120 um, over under is two with uh, the juice heavily on the over. So kind of indicates that we'll probably be seeing a two and a quarter. It would be my guess for um, a closing number, which is a little bit lower than I would have made it. Um, but I think that's a response to how well Croatia have played in this tournament. Their defense has been great. And really what their defense is, is the threat of their midfield, um, their ability to control the ball. But also I think they, they force their opponents to respect them a little more than you would expect for a team that's really devoid of any sort of striking talent up front. Um, and so I'll get I'll get into the team here. So Croatia started the last matchup with Pasalic up front as a right wing next to Andre Kramaric as the striker position. He's Kramaric is, is the name that I think everyone knows. Um, I guess besides the Modric and Perisic's and the midfielders, um, at least in this the striking goal scoring positions. I, I think Croatia will probably stick with Kramaric, so he has not had a very good tournament. 
I feel like he's more of a second striker playing behind a really fast guy. And that doesn't really um, fit what Croatia have at their disposal. Um, they did get a goal from Pekovic off the bench though, in stoppage or in the extra time second half. So it's very possible that he gets added to this one um, and may start based on that form. And just Zlako Dalic just hoping to try to score a goal because it's been so hard for Croatia. Um but I, I honestly think that their goal there was to really restrict Brazil. They did a great job of that, obviously goalless uh, until extra time um, or the, I guess the extra periods um, beyond. Yes, I guess that is extra time. So stoppage time, everything, 90 minutes plus stoppage time was goalless. So the defense was great there. Um, didn't get it, that goal to the 117th minute. So it's possible that Pekovic does start here. But besides that, um, Brozovic did pick up a yellow card, but I heard Dejan Lovren after the match saying it was really important that they got through uh, without any suspensions. So uh, I assume that he would know how that works. So that tells me that Juranovic, Lovren, Gavardial, and Borna Sosa will all be in there uh, in that back line, which has been really what's gotten Croatia to this point in the tournament. Um, their offense is really created through that midfield with Modric, Brozovic, and Kovacic, all really good players and have put in huge shifts. I wonder what their availability is going to look like uh, as we get to the league play. But our focus is on the World Cup for right now, and I'm sure they'll be giving everything they can for their Hvatska. Um, two advanced lines. We have Argentina minus 270, Croatia plus 220. Um, it's, I mean, certainly possible to, to see that uh, Croatia getting through here. We've seen them be so dominant in penalties. Livakovic, their goalkeeper has been awesome, but ultimately on the other side, the Argentinian keeper, Emiliano Martinez has been so, so good and probably, um, so, so foul languaged or, or the words he uses are incredible. Uh, they also, Argentina was very, very angry at the Dutch. It seemed after, uh, eliminating them, but, um, sticking with Croatia. So their, their strategy here, I think is going to be the same basically the same blueprint we saw with Brazil, try to restrict them as much as possible, but ultimately try to possess the ball because that will give them opportunities to potentially run at or create against a limited Argentinian defense, because I think that is the weak point of Argentina. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, weak point for Croatia to me is putting the ball in the net, uh, took a deflection to get by um, Allison, though Brazil were the best team in this tournament. So, uh, I don't know that I'm going to like demerit Croatia for so much for scrapping in a goal. Um, however, they got one, but um, luckily they're not a favorite here. So they're not, they don't necessarily need to score a goalless draw. will uh, go into extra time. will win you a, a, a bet on that plus three quarters. Um, but I'm kind of hoping this number climbs a little bit because Croatia did close. I think a one and a quarter goal underdog to Brazil. Um, and I think it was a, a fairly reasonable juice at that number anyway. Um I don't know that Argentina is a half a goal worse than Brazil, but I feel like this this line is certainly reacting to the performance of Croatia in this tournament, maybe the nerves that are impacting Argentina, plus Argentina's inability to hold a lead uh, against the Dutch. I think that was a pretty big concern, and I guess now I'll switch to uh, Argentina and just really kind of go over what their lineup, path, all that sort of stuff is going to look like, because Ultimately, they had a lead against after an early penalty in that opener against Saudi Arabia, lost that one, uh, and then really had a tough time with Mexico, got a, a late goal to to really make a 2-0 scoreline, I think, look a lot worse than, than the 1-0 is going in. Uh, and then Poland didn't really have a lot to threaten them with. And then Australia are just a really awful uh, soccer nation at this level. Um, such a surprise for them to even get through the group. Um, two-face Argentina. So um, that was a pretty intense, excuse me, not intense run. They, they had a very easy schedule so far, did Argentina. 
Uh, and then looking at their lineup in this matchup, which was against the Dutch, which I, I feel like the Netherlands has a, had a lot more attacking ability, certainly more accomplished strikers up front. Um, not the same midfield or creativity in that midfield, but I think there were more concern about the Dutch than there was um, or there will be for Croatia, um, which might be uh, a bad thing for Argentina and a good thing for Croatia because they might leave themselves a lot more open. Um, with that said, Argentina took a, a lead early from Nahuel Molina and then added on with Lionel Messi uh, with his penalty, um, which I think was soft but deserved. Um, and then they kind of fell apart. I mean, a goal from Valvecors at 83rd minute and then at 90 minutes plus uh, 11. It, you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like with the Dutch, um, they brought on some some strikers. Messi made comments about it, how they weren't playing real football. They're just kicking the balls high, doing long balls, which, I mean, Valvecors is perfect for that. It's a total Burnley offense. But um, I think that there's some... Uh, flexibility or ability there for Croatia as well to kind of use the same type of strategy, though they have the midfielders to thread passes. I mean, Luka Modric inside or outside his foot can do anything he wants to with that thing. So um, I don't know that the long ball strategy is really going to be one that they use, but I mean, it's nice to know that Argentina has um, some, some chinks in the armor at this point, because there's, there's problems with, with their defense. I think um, they played a back five against the Dutch, at least with so Google's telling me right here, Alessandro Martinez, Otamendi and Christian Romero in the back line. Uh, now, Molina, the opening goal scorer, uh, and then Acuna on the left, who I think is suspended. So that's uh, at least one position they're going to have to change. Maybe Juan Foyth comes in more of a center back, but has certainly played fullback uh, for in a four man back line for Villarreal. Um, and I think you would have probably known him from um, from Tottenham. Uh, Gonzalo Montiel might come in as well for Acuna, uh, Sevilla teammates. Um, and of course, if he's not suspended, then my bad. But um, it's amazing. I, f- I forgot how many yellow cards there were in the in the match. But um, when I look at that, that is essentially is what I'm uh, I think is the weakest point of Argentina. Lionel Messi is obviously incredible. Um, the scariest open play or set piece player in the game. And certainly that's remaining in this tournament. Uh, Julian Alvarez has been uh, also a revelation for Manchester City, scoring a bunch of goals. And he's looked really good in this tournament. Um, I don't know how strong he is without Messi or without being playing on the, the best team in the world. That is Man City. But um, he's certainly a, a, a scary striker who at least believes in himself and certainly very confident at this point in the season because he's been scoring a ton of goals in the midfield i feel like it's another not the strongest part uh mcallister who, who plays for brighton in the english premier league i mean he's a good player and certainly can find the back of the net but i don't know that he's necessarily um, someone i'm very afraid of fernandez the, the mid center midfielder who seems like he's going to be going for a ton of money from benfica maybe in this january transfer window they'll probably hold on to him at least uh, for the rest of this year, because the Champions League um, knockouts are, are to come. And then Rodrigo de Paul, who is a, uh, a feisty character and certainly a good creator. But I don't know that there's really a lot in this midfield that should trouble or concern Croatia. Um, it's essentially whoever can control the ball the most, I think, will have the most chances to advance here. And I, I wouldn't necessarily make Croatia that big of an underdog in the possession battle because of that strong midfield. Um, from the bench, I mean, there's certainly a lot more options, I think, in the Argentinian side, especially for scoring goals. We still haven't, I don't think, seen Paulo Dybala just yet. Forgot he was even on the roster until I saw him like celebrating or, or losing his mind in one of those clashes on the sideline. Um, and then, I mean, you're never going to run out of talent 
in Argentina. So I guess um, the question to me then is, is maybe on the health and the availability for the Croatian side and make sure that everyone is fit, available and can play. Um, but I think this is a match that's going to be another grinder. I mean, I feel like we've gotten this point in the tournament where each goal is kind of seems kind of fluky. You know, there's nothing that's really that beautiful and that creative. Um, it might be who steps on whose foot in the box for and generates a penalty or, or just something of that nature. So um, I'm still very interested in Croatia. I think that they getting three quarters of a goal is um, probably my strongest lean in this one. I, I do lean to under as well, um, though. I do think if, if Croatia can score here, that certainly opens up the match. I think at one nil, um, it's one nil Argentina. I think it's a very good chance it ends that way. I do think if Croatia score, um, then you could see a lot different kind of time score lines out there because I think Argentina will try to defend with a lead. Um, didn't go very well for them against the Netherlands. And that certainly is a concern when I don't love their defense, but uh, I give Croatia a really good chance here. I don't know that I love the plus two twenty. Me, Emmy Martinez is so scary in a, in a playoff or excuse me, a penalty shootout. But um, certainly Lovakovic has done nothing wrong to, to make me think that he can't do it either. Um, and that is Tuesday's match. And I, I thought about potentially breaking this up into two, two podcasts, but I don't really think that's worth it. So hopefully everyone enjoy, enjoys uh, a little bit longer, lengthier version. Um, but obviously it's, there's only two matches to discuss. We can't really even go that late. Um, but we'll, without further ado, we'll get to another one. We did 13 minutes there. So um, next is France and Morocco. And this is a much bigger spread uh, between the two teams um, to advance line. For, for instance, France is a minus 425 favorite. If you back Morocco to continue the Cinderella run, they're plus 325 to make it to the final. Uh, the spread on this one is France minus one full goal. And then the over under right now is two and a quarter, um, which feels like that's the number that all these totals have been this entire tournament, or at least uh, anything of late. So uh, Morocco, I mean, at plus one, I was expecting a little bit higher, um, and I'll go through those teams in a second. But um, just, I guess, in, in terms of where the line has been moving, it hasn't really had a ton of movement just yet. I imagine a lot of money will come in on France because they are so strong. They just, everyone probably watched, if, if you care about soccer, you certainly watched the, the France-England match. Um, so I'm not really sure what to expect in, in terms of, um, changes from the status quo and the market positions. I, I will say a lot of money seemed to flow in on England um, in the quarterfinal, um, right until kickoff as they moved from a quarter goal underdog for most of the time since the match was out there until closing really at Pickham. Um, and unfortunately that loss. So uh, market didn't do great on that one, but um, in, in the Morocco match, there's a little bit of a buyback. I feel like into backing Morocco. Um, they've, I mean, I'll get to them in a second, but in terms of, I guess, the, the way the money moved, um, there was some buyback, but ultimately Morocco, sorry, they did move to a one goal underdog, which is something I was looking for. Um, never really got it until like right before kickoff and I was already on the under. So I felt like I didn't really want to make two bets on Morocco, just seeing if that uh, glass slipper of Cinderella still fits. Um, it did. And they're still here, but um, they've been a, a dead under team so far in this tournament. And the goal they scored against Portugal is a huge mistake from their goalkeeper. I hope that doesn't impair Diogo Costa's um, future as a goalkeeper, because I feel like that's one he's never going to forget. Um, so looking at the Morocco lineup, though, and, and this is, I think, worth talking about because they've uh, they lost. Aguirre to injury in the last round. And then Roman Saiz left at a time where I don't think he would have left if he could have stayed on the pitch considering they had a lead and they were trying to hang on for dear life. 
Um, I don't think there's a ton of center backs in the uh, Moroccan on, on the Moroccan bench that are names I've ever even really heard of before. So that's not great and makes me feel a little bit concerned about them in this matchup, certainly against France and only getting a goal. Goal of insurance is certainly big in this tournament, but um, you'll see everything thrown forward if Morocco are trailing, especially late goalkeeper included. Um, so there could be some really bad beat scenarios here coming out if you if you back Morocco plus one. Um, I don't know if I can trust them to score. That's my biggest concern. So Yassim Bono has been great in this tournament, um, a, a big change from how he was playing for Sevilla. Um, but then Ashraf Hakimi should be there. Elia Meek, who's a, a good defender and has played plenty for uh, Real, Real Valladolid, so I know of him. Um, but then I don't really know who's going to play next to uh, Elia Meek in, in the back line. I guess you could have two possibilities with Saiz and also with Aguirre. And I also would think with five substitutions, very good chance that they're playing as they might even start some guys that are on the brink of, of not being able to play and kind of see what happens. I know that if you sub, if you put them in the starting lineup and you substitute them before the match starts, um, they are not eligible for the match. So maybe you see something like that. That's probably a very interesting lineup to see what comes out. If if they're Saiz nor Aguero even on it, then we know that they're not even close to being able to play. Because I imagine if they were anything in the neighborhood of being able to do it, even for a half, I feel like they probably would would use them. Um, Allah on the side, Allah, I believe on the side has been uh, left back has been pretty good in this tournament. Uh, Sofian Amrabat who I thought was really just a goal scorer for Fiorentina in Italy. He's been really good in this tournament. Amala and Onahi. Onahi, I do know from uh, Angers, but they are a really poor, struggling team in France. So um, this entire performance has been incredible by Morocco so far. Hakim Ziyech up front is a a good threat um, from set pieces and, and outside the box, but doesn't really seem to do too much. And the goals in this tournament have not really been flowing for Morocco. Yusuf and Asiri finally getting one, but that, like I said earlier, was a big mistake by the Portuguese goalkeeper. And then Sofiane Buffal, who's also a, a good creator, but is a good creator in the French league. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of... Um, they're facing France. They're they're coming up against France. And there's plenty of mistakes that we'll get to in a little bit about France. But uh, unfortunately, the talent level and the gap between these two teams is, is significant. And I feel like the cover stretch that Morocco have been on is kind of a big deal because um, to me, it seems like they are um, kind of underpriced here. Um, and, and, and France is maybe a little cheaper than they should be. Um, but I'll, I'll get into before I get into the French side, I think Morocco will play the same sort of style they want to try to get you on a set piece or a cross in the box or something on a quick counterattack. Um, they had one of their reserve strikers sent off. I don't see that to be a big impact on, on this matchup, but ultimately he's been run by himself uh, at defenses a lot in this tournament. I expect that to be a similar scenario for Morocco. So if you're looking to back Morocco, um, you're certainly not expecting a lot of goals in this one because I think it's going to be really hard to see Morocco getting more than one. I think one seems like a, a maximum potentially. Um, and then I, I guess the troubles with backing Morocco that pl- on that plus one Asian handicap or on that under two and a quarter, as I'm currently seeing, um, is you got to worry about those late goals and really how many France can put in. But now I'll go to the French lineup. And certainly this tournament has not really gone according to plan completely for France, um, included a, a loss uh, to... Uh, Tunisia and and ultimately I mean a good win against Denmark a a win against a a pretty poor Australian side but then I mean the the penalty that they surrendered to England and then a second one uh, which luckily Harry Kane kicked and it's still 
um, in the atmosphere. I think I saw a tweet about that. It was hilarious. But um, I think we've seen that the French defense has a lot of problems. Uwe Meccano, uh, who has played for Julian Nagelsmann in both Leipzig and also in, in München, has kind of had some falling outs with his manager, I think, because he makes a lot of bad decisions. He He's young, but he's been playing this tournament ever since Luca Hernandez got hurt. And I, and I guess maybe also because Varane was, was, was injured too, coming into it. Um, he's certainly, Uwe Makana is certainly the guy I'd be most concerned about making a big mistake. Um, next to him on the left side of the pitch, you have Teo Hernandez, who um, lives in the opponent's attacking third. Um, and so that will leave a lot of space for Morocco to potentially run down that side, ideally with um, Ashraf Hakimi, who I don't think anyone can really catch him besides maybe Mbappe, and they play for the same team, same club team, which is amazing how PSG is such an all-star team. But um, I think that left side of the French defense is is where Morocco can try to do something. Um, I just think they're going to be playing so much defense, and I'm not sure that matters as much. And France might have a little bit more ability to kind of do whatever they look for. Uh, Rafael Varane on the right side is a pretty fast uh, center back. Um, and I think he will be in charge of, of sort of backing up Makano. But there's, I think, going to be a lot of 1v2s. Um, with one lone Moroccan striker um, trying to sprint past them, realizing he's not faster than both of them and having to dribble the ball. And then um, other players trying to come to his, his salvation or to save him. Um, and he'll probably be, I think it'd probably be Yusuf in the series having to hold the ball and, and try to wait for uh, support or um, I guess additional threat attacking threats from his side. And unfortunately in that amount of time, France will probably recover and uh, that will, limit the amount of chances that Morocco will have on the right side. Jules Koundé, I think is an awesome player. Um, he's been playing right back. I think um, could play center back, but uh, in this game, I think we'll be playing a lot more offense similarly to Teo Hernandez. Um, I think France are going to be a little more pragmatic than the South American teams, but ultimately they're going to be trying to go score as many goals as possible. Cause I think if they get to one, they feel really confident. I think if they get two, they feel like Morocco probably can't catch them in the midfield. We have two many with that, Silly uh, foul in the box for the first penalty, though. Ultimately, it felt like it was more um, <laughs> to me. It was more Bukayo Saka uh, just running into Chuameni. But I guess I mean soccer rules and penalty stuff really grinds my gears. Um, Adrian Rabio has been awesome in this tournament. Finds himself in really good positions. Is kind of what I've said about him. I know Van Zak was saying on Twitter that he's a lot faster than I've probably ever noticed, but. Um, and then in front of him is the most fast in in the world. The be- biggest threat, scariest thing to bet against, um, killing Mbappe, probably the best thing to bet on. I just don't have a lot of opportunities to bet uh, PSG um, unless they're, I guess, in Champions League on the road against one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, and so Mbappe is going to be a, a terror. But ultimately, what when he is best is when he is running at people and has space. And uh, Morocco will not offer that because they're going to be sitting in as deep as they possibly can. Uh, might even put 11 men right inside their own 18 yard box, but um, can't really survive that way for 97 or 107 minutes based on how much stoppage time we play. Antoine Griezmann has been uh, a good track back defender. Uh, I think he's not really produced as many goals as, as he was expected to. And certainly that kind of is a, a commentary in his career at this point. Usman Dembele is, is terrifying uh, on the ball, certainly when he's plays for Barcelona, but also um, he's going to be cutting in from the right side using his left foot as is Kylian Mbappe cutting in from the left side using his right foot. 
Um, but the nice part is I expect there's going to be a lot of Moroccans there defending, and it probably might come down to Olivier Giroud up front trying to get loose and go up for a header and trying to head a ball into the net because he certainly got that. He's shown he can do it pretty much everywhere he's played. I feel like uh, at six foot four, that's a pretty nice height advantage. I think. Um, and I would expect that that lineup probably main, is maintained, uh, assuming there's no suspensions uh, here, which unfortunately it's hard to know because two only only two yellow cards being a suspension is like ridiculous in this competition. But it certainly has removed any ability to uh, pull people down, um, and that matters, I guess. So France, what they want to do here, score many goals possible. They're going to be as aggressive as they can. Um, they want to win this early and right away. I think they're going to take risks and leave themselves with Upamakana, Varan, and Chouameni as three defenders back, probably against two or most likely one Moroccan attacker. Um, I don't like Morocco's chances on those type of breaks. Uh, I do like the one goal of insurance because I expect this to be low scoring. Uh, but I do think there's a lot more value in that under two and a quarter because you can lose two nil. Lo- you would lose a Moroccan bet. Uh, on their side, but would win uh, the total. And so that does interest me quite a bit. Um, again, thanks for thanks for watching. Ultimate Best Bet is about to come up. I'll tell you what it is in one second. Make sure you check out the free CFB college football bull bash contest at pregame.com. Top 10 places all win, get paid out in various versions, some cash, I think some bulk dollars that you can use on buying picks from uh, the experts at pregame.com. It's bowl time. The contest is up now. It's size and totals only. You got to pick 20 minimum or 50 picks maximum. Best record, I guess, win percentage wins it all. First place wins 500 cash and 500 bulk dollars. Second place, 250 cash, 250 bulk dollars. From there, 250 for third place in bulk dollars, 200 for fourth, and fifth through 10th, 100. So plenty of bulk dollars out there, to say the least. Uh, If you can finish top two, you can get some cold, hard U.S. American cash. Uh, Go to pregame.com, click on contest to find a bull bash contest. It's free to enter, so you should get in there and join today. Um, and, and so now it's time here. So I'll, I'll outline my, my leans for this matchup. And it is, um, I like Croatia, the side plus one plus three quarters of a goal right now. I wouldn't really expect any money to come in on the underdogs until, uh, unless there's some crazy news story that comes out, but, um, I wouldn't expect underdog money until close to game time. So you probably want to wait on the underdogs and also the unders. Um, and I'll do just that. So I lean to Croatia and under in, in the first matchup. Uh, under two right now, but certainly would like two and a quarter a lot more. Um, as for Morocco, I lean to that plus one, but I think I'm stronger to under two and a quarter than I am to that plus one. I just don't feel like Morocco are going to be able to score a goal here and only getting one. I know it's a lot in a semifinal of the World Cup, um, but it does make me feel like that is very at risk for a backdoor cover from France. I guess front door cover would be a better way to describe it. Um, doesn't matter which door. It's not good for the underdog. Um, and so my ultimate best bet for this episode, uh, the only semifinal episode, unless I get a bunch of requests for something specifically on props or something like that, uh, I'm going to give you the Morocco under two and a quarter. I think that's my favorite pick for this one. I just don't see Morocco has, with an avenue to goals. I think it's scary to go against the French offense, but they really, have, to me, have, have missed Kareem Benzema despite getting to the semifinal um, and I feel like Kylian Mbappe and Usman Dembele won't have as much space to run into. I feel like Dembele might be a more likely goal scorer because um, he's used to facing uh, sunken boxes, whereas Mbappe is more of a speed guy. Dembele seems to me more cut onto his left, on, 
cut from the right side onto his left and try to put something top corner in the top left left corner of, uh, to the right hand side of the goalkeeper. That to me, I feel like could be the one nil result for France to win you uh, an under bet and would push your side. So um, I guess if, if you want to go ride with me, it's been a really good run so far. Maybe both dogs and unders is a way to look. I feel like these are going to be very competitive matchups and uh, I think it's going to be worth you're tuning in for sure. And maybe throwing some extra money that you just got for free and bet online uh, in there on the under two and a quarter between France and Morocco. Again, follow me on Twitter, the real underscore G Warner, hit those subscribe like buttons, five-star reviews, anything you can means a lot. Appreciate everyone getting the name out there. My, my name out there getting and, and really tuning in, appreciate all the feedback. And I've been trying to work that into kind of what I'm putting together. Hopefully this is enough detail for you. And uh, if you need more, let me know.